0: Good morning church, uh, welcome again for joining us on online service, uh, we're so happy to allow you guys to just be able to be with us and um, be in your in the presence of God, and uh, so we want to in- invite you guys to come sing with us, and um, yeah, so let's all come together, if you want to stand in your own homes, or if you want to dance, if you want to uh, sing out loud in your house, go ahead, uh, so let's all praise the Lord together, here we go.
1: flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed
0: to a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for allowing us just to praise your name, Lord, for you have given us so many blessings and we're so thankful for every one of them, Lord. Even though if we do not recognize it, Lord, you has shown us your goodness, and we thank you so much, Lord. So we continue to praise your name and to glorify you, Lord. And as we go into worship and as we go into service, Lord, um, we ask you, please, just to be in our hearts, and we allow ourselves just to dive into your word and to be open to whatever has you have in store and what is in your will for us today, Lord. Uh, we ask you, please, just to be with us as we uh, learn about the kingdom of heaven as well, Lord, and that you just continue to be with us with that. And that we continue to just bless your name, Lord. And we thank you for everything in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
1: Yeah.
2: Welcome for joining us this morning. We're glad you're here and watching us online on this uh, Sunday morning. And just uh, wanna let you know right up front here that we're gonna be observing communion this morning. So if you haven't uh, had a chance yet to get your elements together, juice of some sort, cracker, bread, and something of that nature to be able to participate in communion with us here in a little bit, you can take some time right now and go and do that. And uh, these announcements I'm going to share with you are uh, also available online at tacredding.info. So uh, if you don't happen to hear these while you're getting your stuff together, that's fine. You can go there and see that. Let me just share a couple of things with you here. Um, We are going to be continuing to hold outdoor services until August 9th in our amphitheater. So if you haven't had a chance to come out and check us out for that yet, please come and uh, join us if you feel uncomfortable doing that. Um, we are taking all the precautions thing necessary to do it. So we just invite you to come and be a part of that and uh, Join us out there bring a chair bring a, bring some shade an umbrella for your chair, whatever uh, We would love to see you and have you come and visit us out here on the campus in the amphitheater Also, we are having a baptism next Sunday on, on the 12th and that will be out in the amphitheater We have seven people that are going to follow the Lord and believers baptism and so we want, to, we want to ask you to come and join us in that in a celebration of that and, and just to support them in that, hear their testimony. And and if you uh, still, there's still time for you, if you want to follow the Lord and Believers, get in touch with me, get in touch with Pastor Sean, and we'll follow up with you on that. And you can be a part of that uh, celebration ceremony as well next Sunday. So that's coming up. Also, there is a membership class scheduled for Sunday, July 26th. If you are interested in becoming a member of TAC, just learning more about the church and things, uh, this class is for you, so you can go to tacreading.info and sign up for that, Uh, or you can get a hold of me, get a hold of Pastor Sean through the church office, and uh, we'd be happy to answer any questions and things you may have about that as well. So that's about all the announcements I'm going to take time for this morning. You can check your bulletin that was attached to the email that uh, came, or you can go to tacreading.info for these same announcements and things as well. Right now, we're going to introduce somebody that's new to our staff, uh, to you, our next-gen pastor, Xavier um, de la Cerda. Uh, Cerda. Cerda, I'll get it right yet, eventually. It's going to take me about six months to get your name right, okay? Is that okay? And Baker's hard, you know, you're going, to, you're going to be on that forever. So anyway, we've asked Xavier to share with us a little bit about uh, himself and just introduce himself to you. So, take it away. Thank you.
3: Hi, uh, TAC family, my name is Xavier Della uh, I am a Simpson alumni and your new next-gen pastor. I'm a pretty awkward person, one thing to know about me, I like to tell a lot of bad jokes. I might add some in here. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I was told to just tell you guys a little bit about myself and just, yeah, get to know my heart for ministry and kind of the things I plan on doing. Um, I am originally from Merced, California. My wife likes to call it Smelly Cowtown. Um, there's lots of dairies there, <laughs> which is why the name comes from. Um, I'm married to my incredible wife, Sofia De La Cerda. Um, we've been married for almost two years, coming up August 5th, so that's pretty exciting. <laughs> um, we have a pet child. His name is Toby One Kenobi, Della Cerda. <laughs> he is the most adorable and terrible child. Um, But yeah, so I wanted to get the chance to tell you guys a little bit about my testimony, a little bit about who I am, so um, clearly I have a disability. Um, I was born with it, it's called arthrogryposis, some fancy science name for uh, basically my muscles didn't develop correctly when I was in the womb and my arm got stuck behind my back. And I've grown up with it all my life, I've never known anything but it. And that's just kind of changed, like, how I viewed life, how I've adapted to things. Um, So, yeah, and when I was about four years old, my dad abused my mom in front of me, um, and he abandoned us after that. Um, So I've been kind of on that since then. Uh, My mom turned to drugs afterwards. Um, That was her way of coping, and that's what she chose at that time, and that's just what our lives were for a while. Um, She was like that for a few years, and then around when I was 10 years old, my grandma got sick with bone cancer, and my mom went to jail in the same birthday month for me. Um, So she passed away shortly after, and obviously like my grandma did not choose to pass away or anything like that, but um, I had abandonment issues from that. I felt abandoned by everyone. Um, The two people who loved me the most were gone, and I had to live with my great aunt, who was one of those people that um, is a family member that like, you see on holidays, but that's pretty much it. Like, You don't see them much besides then. So I kind of lived with a stranger, and that was um, not a great time. Uh, I went to church with her, and we, like, I was taught about God. I learned about how he loved us so much and everything like that, but I really didn't believe it. Um, it didn't make sense to me. It was one of those things that, like, you know, you hear something and you're like, yeah, okay, I guess I can see that for others, but not for me. Um, and I just didn't believe it. And I just kept learning about him. And my mom actually got into a recovery program and she encountered Christ there and he completely transformed her life. She's a totally different person. Um, some of you might have met her if you came to church like a few weeks ago. Um, she does not look like she was a drug dealer at one point or did drugs or anything like that. Um, she looks like the sweetest little lady. And I, um, I saw that and I started thinking, okay, maybe there is a God, but I still don't think he cares about me. Um, and that's just kind of where my life was for a while. All of high school, I kind of felt, still those abandonment issues, a lot of things just kind of happened, and I felt really hurt and broken and lost. And my youth pastor at the time kept, um, my sophomore year of high school, he kept bothering me to go to a camp with him and a bunch of other students, and he just kept pastoring me about it all the time. And I ended up going, and I encountered Christ there. And he showed me that even though I felt like I was alone, I was never alone. And that he was always there and he always loved me and he was with me in every situation. Um, and it showed through my youth pastor hearing everything I had said, everything I had done, everything I had felt, um, he heard it all and he still looked at me with love. And I, that was the first time I really felt God's love for me um, and that completely changed everything. And then shortly after that, I felt a call into youth ministry And I kept pursuing that and I went to Simpson University and I got my degree in youth ministry. Um, And a few months ago, some of you might have seen me, I just showed up one Sunday with my wife and we heard Sean talk about the next gen pastor position and we just felt God's calling here. Um, And ever since then, we've just felt like we've been in God's will here and I'm super excited. my priorities for ministry here are to really create a safe and um, a safe zone for students to really grow their faith in Christ and to really develop that and deeply root themselves in Him. So when they leave the ministry, they aren't um, they don't just fall out of faith. That they are well equipped for the world and well equipped for what they might encounter, and that they know that God loves them and that they live their lives through that. And yeah, I'm just super excited for to meet all of your students and to hang out with all of you guys and just to get, know, get to know everyone a little bit better. All right.
4: Very good. Thank you so much, Xavier. So good to hear a little bit of your story, Uh, and we are very excited to have you um, on board with us. I'm excited to have uh, another youth person around. You know, Bob, he never did youth work, you know, except for like maybe a week or something. I don't know. So, you know, I do all these youth jokes, and he doesn't laugh. So now I've got a youth guy around. I can do a youth joke, and he's going to laugh, and it's going to be amazing. So anyway, so it's great to have you, Xavier. Thanks for sharing your story. Looking forward to hearing more and more of that. Uh, and again, uh, get to know Xavier. I know those of you who are online, you're not here in the service, and so it's kind of hard to do that. But when you get a chance, uh, you know, try to g- get an opportunity to pull him aside, maybe invite him over for a meal when uh, it's we're able to do that, and you feel comfortable to do that. Get to know him and his wife. Uh, great couple. Just to, again, we're it's gonna be, we're blessed to have them as part of our uh, next gen ministry team and leaders, and it's gonna be fun to see how God uses them uh, in the near future and into the many years down the road as they continue to lead our youth and be a big portion of what we're doing as a church. Well, let's pray and we'll continue with our service. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you uh, for bringing Xavier and Sophie to our church, and Lord, I just love how you uh, so often do these little things where uh, we are kind of going about our life, and we've got it all planned out and figured out where we're headed, and then all of a sudden something happens, and you throw a monkey wrench in the plan, but you do it in a way that, that is so beautiful and so obvious. And Lord, I thank you that you did that with both Xavier and Sophie and even with our church as we were beginning this process to look for a next-gen pastor. Uh, We thank you that it became clearer and clearer each step that we took that this was indeed uh, the person that you had picked out for our ministry here uh, to lead our youth into the future. And so we just thank you for that. We just pray that you would continue to bless him and Sophie as they settle in and transition into this new position and new church and all of that kind of stuff, especially in this kind of weird, chaotic time that we're in where um, everything just seems to be harder. <laughs> and so we just ask that you'd bless them in a special way there. Uh, Lord, we also uh, ask that you would bless this service too, Lord, that as we continue to worship you together in song and in prayer, in the pro- proclamation of your word, uh, that again, that you'd be glorified in all of that and that we, Lord, would be uh, blessed with your presence. we blessed with hearing your voice, Lord, that that, we, um, that this service would just be an encouragement to our souls, Lord in a time where the world is in chaos and there seems to be division everywhere we more than ever now need to see and hear from you we need to we need your peace to wash over us we need to understand and know your truth we need to know where you're at work so that we can follow you in it so that we can join you in that Lord we desire to to And to worship you. We desire to do your will. We desire to follow you wherever you lead. So Lord, just help us to do that and do that well uh, by encouraging us today in the service. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, church, uh, let's continue to sing. And so China and the worship team is going to continue to lead us in some worship.
1: cause oh god engages our hearts may jesus christ be known wherever we Baby
0: thank you that you are the life giver, the breath giver. Um, God, thank you that every breath in our lungs belongs to you. And so, um, since you've given it to us, we give it back to you today. So thank you that you accept our worship and our praise. Would it be a beautiful aroma to you today? Father, as we, um, continue to hear from pastor Sean, I pray that every breath, um, speaks your truth about who you are and who you are in our lives. Would you help us be receptive to that today? We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: All right, two things uh, before I get started here. Um, First thing, uh, communion. Uh, We're going to be doing communion after the message. I was going to mention that earlier, but I forgot. And I was too busy, you know, trying to make fun of Bob again. So anyway, Um, but... uh Anyway, so if you have communion elements at your home, uh, just grab something. They don't have to be uh, grape juice and crackers. They can be uh, whatever you have in the cupboard. Uh, so just encourage you maybe to take a, uh, a minute now to go ahead and grab that and get that ready to go. Uh, we'll do that at the end of my message. And the second thing is I wanted to say as well is that I do love Bob like crazy. And I give him a hard time all the time. And just want to make sure everybody remembers that. So, And Bob remembers that. I love you, Bob. I do, actually. <laughs> yeah, He's a good guy, and he takes my ribbing very well. That's very nice of him. <laughs> All right. We, uh, this week, are starting a uh, kind of a new mini-series. If you will remember, back in uh, February, we began to jump into a uh, kind of a year-long series that uh, has actually five different parts to it. And each part is uh, focusing on Jesus' words in some way. We started with uh, Jesus' words on the cross And then, uh, so we spent seven weeks doing that through Lent. And then after that, we uh, went through the I Am Statements of the book of John. And so we just finished that last week with the final I Am Statement, I Am the Vine. You remember that. Uh, And so this week begins the new, the third mini-series in the uh, year-long series on focusing on the words of Jesus which is this week we begin with uh, uh, this this new mini-series is called What Jesus Offers. And so uh, I wanted to remind everybody why we're doing this, though. I mean, we're not just looking at the words of Jesus just to look at the words of Jesus. We're looking at the words of Jesus in order to inspire our passion for Jesus. And the reason that we are seeking to deepen and inspire our passion for Jesus is because the things that we are passionate about are the things that we talk about. They're the things that we can't, you know, get out of our mind. They're the things that, you know, when someone alludes to anything close to something that is our passion, we can't help but jump in and say something about it, right? And so, you know, as you guys know, I love football, and so anybody ta- anytime I hear somebody talking a little bit about football, I want to jump in to that conversation because I love football. I just think it's a great game and all of that. And so, uh, is the same with Jesus now, is that we want to develop that passion for Jesus, and the way to develop the passion for Jesus is through getting to know who he is and what he's done for us. Uh, You know, and now we're looking at what he has offered us, what, what he gives to us when we center our focus on him. And when we do that, as we develop that passion for Jesus, that will then as well inspire our not only passion, but also our heart for the lost. To share with people about Jesus, He is the salvation. He's the message. He's the gospel. He's the truth. He's the word. He's the one that we want people to be pointed to. And so over and over again in the first two mini series that we've gone through this year, I've asked the question at the end of the message saying, who do you know who needs this? Who do you know that needs to know Jesus better? Who do you know that needs to, to receive the things that Jesus has for them? Because we need to recognize that this Jesus that we have received and the blessings that we receive from him are meant to be passed on. So this morning I I want to uh, uh, begin this new mini-series and it's really going to be about, again, what Jesus offers, but what he offers in short is the kingdom of God. Uh, we see this uh, very clearly in Luke. You know, this is what Jesus talks about all the time with his disciples. We see it over and over again. But in Luke chapter 17, in verses 20 and 21, Jesus says these words. He says, "Being asked by the actually this is set up before his words. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them." The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God is Jesus. The kingdom of God is here. That was Jesus' point, is that he was, you know, the kingdom of God is here. It's in your midst right now. The kingdom of God is not merely something that is eternal in the future. It's not something that we are looking forward to someday to get to enjoy. The, eternal, uh, the kingdom of God is certainly eternal, but it's also for today. It's meant to be experienced in the here, in the now. But understand it's not fully experienced in the here, in the now. We should not expect necessarily to enjoy or experience the kingdom of God in a national sense or a global sense. The world is still filled with sin. It's still going to do things that are not matching what the kingdom of God will be like. But we should expect to experience personally. We should not expect to experience the kingdom of God physically Certainly sometimes we will experience it physically, but again, we're in a physical world that is sinful. We're surrounded by people who don't know Jesus, who don't love Jesus, who haven't bowed their knee to Jesus as Lord, and so we should expect in our physical world that it's going to be rare to experience the kingdom of God, but we should expect to experience the kingdom of God spiritually, within our souls, within our spirits. And so the kingdom of God ultimately is what Jesus offers But what is the kingdom of God? And that's what I want to spend four weeks discussing a bit and talking through. What are the things that come with the kingdom of God? But before we do that, we need to understand why it's valuable or what is valuable about it. So let's turn now and I'm going to be reading several different passages today. But now we're going to jump over to Matthew chapter 6. Verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, Jesus said, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Everything has a value doesn't matter if it's uh, materials. This is the stand, right? It has a value. I don't know how much it is, but it has a value. It says pastor's preaching stand, so it's even more valuable than just a normal stand because it says pastor's preaching stand. Maybe you should zoom in on that. Maybe just, no, maybe not. Okay, anyway, uh, pastor's preaching stand, okay? Uh, So the stand has a value to it. The stage has a value. The building that we're in here has a value, a set value to it. Uh, Ideas have a value to it. You know, if you're able to come up with a great idea, people will pay money for that idea in order to kind of use that idea in some some way. Companies have have a value. Uh, uh, Buildings, again, as I said, have a value. Even people have a certain value attached to them. Now, in some ways, that can be a good thing, but in most ways, unfortunately, that's a bad thing. And the, the, what sets these values is either the economy, the culture, or the individual. Those are the things that determine the value. There are some things that uh, the economy says, says is really valuable, but if you personally don't see it as valuable, well, it's not very valuable to you. You're not going to spend the money for that, right? Uh, and so it really comes down to the individual and in the individual's eyes of what is valuable or not. This preaching stand is more valuable to me than others because, you know, it's, it's my stand. I'm kind of, I get a stand before it each week, you know, and so I would pay a lot more money maybe for this stand than others would. Value is determined oftentimes by the individual, not just by the economy or culture. The reality is, the things that we treasure, we will pay a lot of money for. So what's the, so the question is, what do you value? What do you treasure? What are you willing to spend a lot of money on? Or let's take it out of the money kind of realm. What are you willing to sacrifice? a lot for, in order to obtain, in order to have. The kingdom of God, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God with some parables here. Verses 44 through 46, he gives us two parables about the kingdom of God. First, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. These two parables clearly tell us That the kingdom of God is of great value. Matter of fact, it could be said that it is of the greatest value. Notice both situations. The person who found the treasure in the field, the person who found the very valuable pearl, they sold all they had. They sacrificed everything in order to obtain it. It's the greatest treasure that they could ever have, and so that's they gave up everything in order to gain that. They've, they used all of their savings. They used all of their future. They risked everything because that hidden treasure was so valuable, because that great pearl was so valuable, so treasured. So if the kingdom of God is so valuable, what is it? Do we need to understand what the kingdom of God is? And I don't want to get into too much detail on this, but I want to give you at least four aspects of what the kingdom of God is that makes it valuable. First of all, the kingdom of God is under God's rule. It's not under our rule. It's not under some kingship. It's not under a dictatorship. It's under God's rule. God is in control of his kingdom. That's a valuable thing, especially when we understand who God is, that he's unchanging, that he's good, that he's loving, that he cares for us. He wants what's best for us. To know to have a God who's that kind of God who's ruling us, that is valuable. That's something we want much better than those men who are ruling us in our world today. We have a lot of criticism for many of them, and it's not necessarily just their fault. It's because they're men, right? Even King David, who was this amazing king of the Old Testament, right? He had some major flaws and the people suffered to some extent under his leadership. So to have God ruling is of, is of great value. Also, it's an eternal relationship in this kingdom of God. We, we get to enjoy this amazing eternal relationship with our creator, with Jesus, with each other, with creation, All of those relationships are restored in the kingdom of God. The moment we step into the kingdom of God, we get this restoration of relationship, this intimacy with the Father, with the Son, with the Spirit. The ability to develop these long-term eternal relationships with other human beings that aren't going to end when death happens, but they're going to go on for all eternity. That they're not going to end because of conflict and because we, you know, we can't get along anymore. Sin will be removed. We'll be able to resolve those conflicts. We'll move on for all eternity together. Eternal relationships. Also, the kingdom of God includes the defeat of sin. Sin. For those of us who are familiar with our own failures and our tendency to, to just to do dumb things and to step into places we shouldn't step because of our own behaviors, our own weaknesses, our own sinful nature that continues to show itself and hurt other people and hurt ourselves in different ways, ways that we don't want to. What a great gift to be in a kingdom where sin no longer reigns, where we don't have to worry about that sin anymore, where we sin is a defeated enemy, And we get to enjoy all the benefits of righteousness. And also the kingdom of God includes eternal life. Again, what is all mankind, every human being in the world who's ever lived is sought to defeat to death, to somehow avoid death, somehow miss out on that thing or to be able to live as long as we can or to some way, you know, extend our life as long as, as, long as we can in this world. But when we enter the kingdom of God, we have eternal life. We know that death is, a, again, a defeated enemy. We know that it's not. we're not going to stay dead. Yeah, we will die, but it's just simply a transition from this life to the next So this is why the kingdom of God is so valuable. We have a God, a good God who is ruling. We have eternal relationships that are restored. Sin is defeated, and we get to experience eternal life. Now, there's other things as well, but those are four big ones. But more than that, we see again in Luke how valuable this kingdom of God is. In Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me, Jesus says, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple." We see here that Jesus is telling us that this kingdom of God is more valuable than anything else on earth. All of our relationships, all of the things that we could have, our future, even our very life, the kingdom of God is more valuable than. That we need to be willing to sacrifice all of those things, really in order to enter that kingdom of God, in order to be a part of that kingdom of God, in order to enjoy that kingdom of God. We give up family. We give up friends, we give up careers, we give up future, security, homes, countries, and even our life for the kingdom of God in order to participate in it, in order to promote and support it, and in order to expand it. See, the kingdom of God is the most valuable thing that we can ever have in our life. However, the kingdom of God sometimes is hard for us to not only grasp, but in order, it's also hard for us to live for, to participate in, to promote, to share, and to expand, to seek to expand it. The reality is, there's also a kingdom that's in competition with the kingdom of God, and that is, of course, the kingdom of mankind. And there's a great tendency for all humanity to, be, to treasure this physical kingdom of man instead of treasuring the kingdom of God. Now, for those who aren't Christians, really that's all there is. It's the kingdom of man. That's all that they know. And that's, it makes sense for them to live for that and treasure that most of all. But even as Christians those who have received already the kingdom of God, we, can get, we have a tendency also to slip into, again, focusing on the physical and on this kingdom of man instead of the kingdom of God and begin to treasure that more so than the kingdom of God. Now, this morning, I want to actually do a bit of meddling in this, with this topic in your life, in many, maybe many of your lives. Maybe it's not all of you, but many, I think, Because I think we have seen the reality of this tendency of Christians to be elevating the kingdom of man and treasuring that above the kingdom of God in our current climate that we're in, with this chaos that we're going through, with the pandemic, with how we're responding to it, and with how uh, even with the, the uh, the racism issues that have come up and the racial tensions that we're experiencing in our country. And this shows itself in four different ways, I think. First of all, it shows itself with those who are more focused on wealth in the kingdom of man than they are in the kingdom of God. These are the folks that are demanding that we open up our economy, that we ignore the governors of our states and our presidents or whoever else and say, no, we need to open up our economy because we treasure most our money. We need, we need to have this money. We need to have this ability to make money. It's going to save lives. People are going to die because they are, they're going to lose their jobs and they're going to be on the streets and they're going to commit suicide or whatever. And so we need money. Money is the most important thing. And so we need to open up the economy. It doesn't matter who gets hurt in order to do that. On the other side, another issue is really the health side of things. We've got some who, are, who have keenly focused on the health and they are those who are saying that everyone should be wearing masks. It doesn't matter who you are, you need to be wearing, why, why are you putting people's lives at danger? If you go out of your house and you choose not to wear a mask, you're putting the lives of other people at risk. How, how dare you? And a Christians, you know, in all of these, we, we love to grab scripture and start throwing it at people and use it to defend our opinions. And so we would say, oh, don't you care about your brothers and sisters? How are you going to love your neighbor unless you do these things? And you need to wear your mask. Treasure. These people are treasuring most a long life. A third area, and this now we get into kind of some of the racial tensions that we have, is that of Rights. We see some who are are supporting and saying that we need to obey the law and obey the law above all the constitution basically again is like there's this third testament almost of scripture and we need to be obeying that we need to encourage everyone to obey that that is our salvation and they are treasuring most our freedom that it's not right for governors or for presidents or for anybody in, in, uh, in office to tell us that we have to stay in our home. Or tell us what we can do or we can't do. The most important thing that we need to understand is that everyone should be free. And again, we grab scripture, we start throwing that out, and we can use that to defend, our, again, our opinion. And then the final group is those who are concerned most with Justice. They're the ones who support BLM movement, and they're the ones who demand that everyone should be supporting that movement as well. It doesn't matter what the official organization stands for. You need to say Black Lives Matter, and you need to mean it. And they're standing up for the oppressed in our culture. They're saying that they're, and they're treasuring most, equality. Understands. that these four positions and these groups of people who are supporting these positions, although they are good things to be standing up for, they are not the most important thing to be standing up for. John chapter 18, verse 36 Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. The kingdom of God, you see, all four of these stances, people, Christians, think they're advancing the kingdom of God. This is why they grab scripture and use it. it, it it's, gen, it's genuine. They, it's not that they don't love Jesus. Don't un, misunderstand me. I'm not saying that they're, you know, some horrible Christian that's out there. What I'm, what I'm, uh, what I'm saying is that they are grabbing these issues that they uh, have clung to and they're saying these are really important and they are important, but they have elevated them to the point of most importance. These are the most valuable things, that people are wealthy, that people are healthy, that people have rights and freedoms that people are, are, are equal. And according to God, according to Jesus, even in this passage, the kingdom of God is not about this world. It's about a spiritual existence. The kingdom advances in hearts, not governments. It is primarily spiritual, as we talked about last week. We need to get to know our spiritual senses so that we can identify spiritual realities that influence physical realities. The kingdom of God is primarily first spiritual and then secondarily physical. Too often Christians elevate their physical condition above their spiritual condition. But the reality is, no matter what your physical condition is, you can still have faith. You can still live your Christianity under corruption, under oppression, under persecution. If you're poor and living on the street, you can still just be, you can be just as effective a disciple of Jesus as you are if you're rich and wealthy and living in a mansion. It's not that Jesus doesn't care about things like wealth and health and rights and justice, but they're secondary to his kingdom. You see, Jesus knows that salvation is what people need most. Above wealth, above health, above freedom and rights and above justice. We as Christians certainly should promote and support a wealthy, a healthy, a free, and a just culture and country. But we cannot treat those secondary issues like they are essential to God's rule. God continues to rule. His kingdom is here. He continues to rule despite what is happening in countries across the world who are way worse than the United States of America. Christians are still thriving in cultures and in countries with way worse governments and way worse situations than what we have in our country. Salvation is more important than these secondary issues of wealth, health, freedom, and justice. So, we can't treat them as essential to God's rule. We also cannot demand that we hold the moral high ground. It is amazing how many people find out that Jesus thinks just like them. We do not have the moral high ground just because we're fighting for the oppressed. We don't have the moral high ground just because we're fighting for people's rights and freedoms. We do not have the moral high ground just because we're trying to protect people's lives. We do not have the moral high ground simply because we are looking out for people's you know, wealth and economy, making sure that they can provide for themselves. But hear me, these next two are really, really important because I'm seeing it everywhere. And this is, I think, the main point. We, we need to support, we need to promote wealth, health, freedom, and justice, but we do not do it at the expense of relationships with others. There are so many of us who are totally destroying relationships with those who disagree with us. Again, because we think we have the moral high ground. I'm the most moral one here. If you don't agree with me, that means you're immoral and you need to be crushed. And I don't want to be a friend with someone who's immoral. Salvation is what people need. Most of all, we have to keep that primary. And the only way we're able to expand the kingdom of God, to promote it and support it in our world, is if we are able to maintain those relationships and don't uh, destroy them over secondary issues like justice, freedom, health, and wealth. And then finally, again, hear me clearly, we should not be condemning our fellow believers who disagree with us. It is so sad to me the number of my Christian friends who are condemning other Christians because they don't agree with their particular moral stance on whatever the issue may be at the time. I'm seeing it on social media everywhere. I'm seeing it even in conversations I've had with other pastors, other Christians it is sad that we were allowing our focus on the kingdom of man, this physical world, to divide us and to cause us to be using words of condemnation to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to promote these things certainly in our world. Wealth is not evil in itself, it's good. American, America has done a lot of amazing things because it's partly in because of its economy. Think of how many missionaries have been sent to the mission field because of the wealth of America. God has used it for good, we have used that wealth for good. Health, a long life, these are great things as well. They're important. They're important for the kingdom of God. Keep people alive longer so they have more of a chance to be able to hear the gospel message. It's important, don't get me wrong, right? I mean, this is, I mean, and Christians are the ones who started the medical world, right? I mean, they're the ones who started the first hospitals because they recognize this is, you know, an orderly kingdom that God has given us. And so we can figure these things out and be able to heal the body. Freedom. It's a great thing. It allows us to do amazing things in this world if we have freedom and able to make decisions for ourselves. And America has always been promoting that, no matter what your perspective of the past is. Um, think about how far we've come. And justice, we need to be continuing to be about that as well. Justice is an important thing. We've talked about justice before. I preached a few weeks ago about it. Right, This is an important piece of the kingdom of God, but it's not the most important It's a secondary issue. In Philippians, we get an example, I think, from Paul of where our focus should be. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and following, Paul writes this. He says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying here, I mean, he had everything before he found Christ, before Jesus knocked him off his camel in the desert and before he blinded him. Paul had everything going for him. And he gave it all up for Jesus. That's how valuable Jesus was. That's how valuable the kingdom of God was for him. But he continued to live in that. Each day, it wasn't just that he gave up what he had, but he continued to give it up and make sacrifices every day in order to continue to know Christ. The most valuable thing. All the sacrifices he makes, he says here, were worth it. In order that he may know Christ. But also listen to this. This is another important passage I want to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Listen to what he says here in verses 21 to 24. Were you a bondservant when you were called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. You see, Paul recognizing, recognizes that our physical condition does not impact our ability to enjoy and be successful in our spiritual world in the kingdom of God. He's saying if you're a slave when you became Christian, you don't have to become free in order to live out your Christian life. You can live it out as a slave. Now, if you can get free, he says, if you can somehow not be a slave anymore, then great. Hey, go for it. But it's not the most important thing. Now, I'm not saying that slavery is okay and neither is Paul. That's not his point. He's not railing against slavery, but he's also not supporting slavery. He's saying that the kingdom of God is bigger than that. It's bigger than just a physical world that we're in. And so we need to recognize that it's a spiritual thing first. That's where it starts. We can all live out our Christianity to the full, even if our physical condition isn't the best. Paul called people, and Jesus calls people, to these spiritual realities, not the physical realities. The focus is always on the spiritual. Paul promoted the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. Neither Paul nor Jesus railed against government, one of the most oppressive nations and governments ever. For the Jews, they were, they were enslaved, basically. I mean, they, there, were so many, there were so many things that they had to do, so many things that you know, the Romans, I mean, they had to get permission from the Romans for everything that they did. And yet Jesus does not come in and rail against the Roman government, neither does Paul. He says, look, no, we can live, we can exist in this bad government and still be Christians and actually still have an amazing impact on the world. All right, church, the kingdom of God is valuable, but it is primarily spiritual. It's primarily personal. It starts there. And the way that we change the world is not by trying to change governments. It's not by trying to change laws. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that and promote that and try to make that happen. But that is not the primary way that Jesus is gonna win the day. The primary day that Jesus wins the day is through the salvation of individual hearts. As we promote these things like wealth and health and justice and freedom... May we not see them as the primary thing. May we recognize they're secondary because the primary thing is the thing that we have to make sure we get across. Even if none of this changes, we need to make sure that their hearts change as best we can, that we are sharing Jesus with them, that we're sharing the gospel message with them, that they recognize that they're lost and they're going to hell. They're going to be condemned for all eternity unless they turn and repent of their ways and bow their knee to Jesus. This is the message that we have. May we not allow these secondary issues and our concern and passion for them overshadow the primary issue that we're concerned with in the kingdom of God. All right, worship team, why don't you come up? i are gonna transition to communion and just wanna transition with this thought. that we would be following Jesus' example in this. You know, we see Jesus over and over again, his concern is the individual. Over and over again, he recognized the oppression that's around him, but he always zeroes in on the individual, seeking to speak to their heart. To love them and to sacrifice for them. Jesus, of course, was the ultimate sacrifice for all mankind. He gave his life for all of us. May we follow his example. And as we go to communion this morning, I want to ask each of us to be thinking about that again. How can we follow Jesus' example? It's not that we don't support these important things in our world, but have we lost sight of the primary thing? Can we follow Jesus to not see the noise, to not see the physical, the kingdom of man issues, but can we see the kingdom of God issues first? And as we look at an individual, can we ask the question first do they know Jesus see that was what Jesus's concern was all the time with everyone that he talked to what did they need in their hearts to change what was the thing that kept them from bowing their knee to Jesus See, the kingdom of God is not primarily physical. It has impacts in the physical world. It's spiritual. It's also not primarily national or global. It's personal. The kingdom of God is not about man ruling. It's about God ruling. And so finally, the question as we go to communion is, Are you being ruled by God or by man? Is mankind the one that's dictating how you behave or is it Jesus? If you have your elements, uh, I'd encourage you to get those and prepared and ready to go. Just wanna take a minute to pray and then um, go ahead and take the bread and take the cup together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for the kingdom of God. That all of us get the privilege of stepping into the moment we bow our knee to Jesus. But Lord, because we're living in this physical world, and because oftentimes our spiritual senses are so numb and haven't been developed, we can really get focused on the kingdom of man instead of the kingdom of God. It's not a salvation issue for us, but it is a salvation issue sometimes for others. When we begin to focus on the secondary things instead of the primary things, when we begin to destroy relationship because of that focus on the physical realities instead of the spiritual realities, Lord, I pray that in this time as we go to the table together that you would just speak to our hearts. Reveal to us the areas where we have fallen into a focus on the physical realities more than the spiritual. And Lord, once again, lead us to that point of repentance. As we come before the table and we partake of this symbol of Jesus' sacrifice for us. That we would be thankful for what he's done, but also we would recognize that by partaking these elements, we are once again committing to follow him wherever he leads. That our primary focus in all of life would be Jesus and to be celebrating and to uh, promoting and supporting and expanding the kingdom of God. So Lord, search our hearts. Reveal those wicked ways within us. Give us the courage to repent. And then also give us the strength to move on past it. (laughs) To not dwell on the sin or not dwell on the, 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 the distractions that we've had. But help us to move on, to recognize that we're still in intimate relationship with you. Lord, thank you for Jesus who willingly gave his life for us as an example of how we are to live as well. And Lord, in a moment as we partake of this wafer, this cracker, I pray that uh, you would once again use it to change us from the inside out. That we would become like Jesus more and more each day. Jesus name amen in 1st Corinthians 11 Paul writes about communion he says this he says for I received from the Lord what I also deliver to you the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me Heavenly Father, we thank you too for the shed blood of Jesus who again cleanses cleanses us of our sin, washes us, makes us white as snow. Lord, this is the daily reality of who we are in Christ. In the kingdom of God, again, we are experiencing the reality that that sin is defeated, that it's done. The sin no longer reigns in our life. Now certainly we still see sin around us and certainly we still commit sins on, a, on occasion in our life maybe way more than we should but it does not change the internal spiritual reality that we are righteous. And that righteousness is not because of our goodness, not because of our perfection or our work but it's all because of the grace of Jesus sacrifice, willingly gave his life for us. So Lord, as we uh, partake of the cup here, Lord, we just would ask that you would receive our repentance for any sin that maybe we've committed, but also, Lord, that you would ignite our hearts again with the will and the purpose of your kingdom, that you would deepen our passion for the lost in this world and that our primary focus would be those who have yet to come to know jesus may we be a church that's known for our love and for our search and pursuit of those who don't know you in jesus name amen Paul goes on, and in the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul goes on to kind of put this in context. He says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake together. All right, church, if you'd like to stand in your living rooms or wherever you may be, and uh, let's sing a couple songs to the Lord, and or one song to the Lord, and I'll come back up and close our service in prayer. Again, we just thank you for your goodness to us and the amazing gift of the kingdom of God where we get to experience this perfect God who is ruling, who knows each person perfectly, knows the truth perfectly, knows what is good and right, knows what each one should receive, needs to receive for their greatest good. That we have this kingdom of God that has these amazing restored relationships, first of all, with Him, with God, with our Creator. Uh, the relationship that we were designed for. That the, it's the relationship that if we don't have restored, we will never feel quite right. But you offer us this amazing Restoration of relationship in the kingdom of God. But more than that, it's also a restoration of relationship with each other in a horizontal sense as well that we can experience an eternal family experience. A loving and good and perfect family for all eternity. And relationship as well with your creation. Creation that's designed for us to manage and to work with and to work in and to be a part of and lord it's a kingdom that also is where sin is defeated it no longer reigns it no longer controls us we are considered righteous the moment we step into this kingdom not again because of our goodness but because of christ's goodness and because of your amazing grace We no longer have to fear the impacts of sin on our life because we know that the only thing sin can do now is just a temporary pain. It will never impact us for eternity. And Lord, we thank you again for that eternal life that's also a part of your kingdom. Your kingdom certainly is the most valuable thing that we can have in this world. Help each of us, every one of us, to recognize that that's where the value is, but also recognize that right now it's a spiritual reality more than a physical reality. It's a personal reality more than a global reality. And so as we live out our life, may may we become more in touch with the spiritual realm and our spiritual sense and our spiritual understanding, but also may we seek to reach out the individuals and the personal people the the personalities of the individual people in our life we recognize that that's what we're called to we're not called to change the world we're called to change one individual heart at a time and lord help us to maintain a perspective like paul has in philippians chapter 3 Earlier, I read a few verses, but I want to move on down later in the chapter where he says this. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. the lord in jesus name amen and god bless and hallelujah church i hope you have a great day and continue to seek jesus in these times of challenge and times of tension times of division may we be able to recognize what he is doing in his kingdom that his kingdom is on the move and may we be part of what he's doing May we be part of his army of people who are going out and saving hearts one person at a time. All right, church, one more song for you. Continue to worship, and then may you have a great rest of your day. Hope to see you in person again soon. Maybe next week when we're doing baptisms, it would be great to have you out for that. Uh, It'll be uh, just going to be a great celebration on uh, next Sunday. All right, God bless. Have a great
0: day. camera to look so I just looked right here. Pretty
1: sure.
0: look See you next time. See you next time.